Good evening and welcome along to the latest edition of the Denver Celtics podcast. I'll be your host tonight. Um, we're doing a wee, a wee bit different. There's no native football on with the, the winter break and thank God we're doing something different because there's no transfer stories either to talk about. So we're just going to do a sort of a, go back to the wee spin-off series and stuff and do a wee sort of a, an idea I've seen on Twitter once. I've, I can't claim it as mine and it's a, a what-ifs. I'll have an all kind again in two seconds. I just want to do the Super Six. I really should have had this up and running. But just before, well, I'm loading that. How's how are you and St- uh, you and Stephen doing, Anthony? Yeah, that. I'm all good. Uh, work works for killer at times, but other than that, enjoying enjoying life in the new year. Yeah, I have. I mean, a new year, same old fucking days, isn't it? Really, it's enough. Yeah. New Year's yeah, new me. I, I had a a good weekend with the kids. I still haven't got my car back, which I'm absolutely fucking raging about. Persia need to up, up the game on that one. Um, you wanted the Super 6 done, uh, Fran. I've got the table here. Um, I'm just loading my phone. So, take away that comment. Alistair Jack is first, Kieran second, Stephen Coulthard third, Mark Robertson fourth, Anthony Dunn fifth, Joe Finley sixth, Kevin Hampsey seventh, Rand Taylor eighth, and William Dobbin is up one, one of her very own in ninth place. So, that's the the updated table in terms of that. But in, in regards to uh, the weekend, it was a good weekend. I mean, had a, had a good time. Looking forward to getting stuck in tonight and having a wee chat about players who might still be there and players who, who featured for Celtic in the past. I know. I, so I, so the, the whole concept of the show, it's it's a Celtic what-ifs 11. We've got to kind of come up with our own wee what uh, like 11 ourselves with I kind of just to try and make it a wee bit easier went with a four three three or the four two three one, which very similar formations just to try and keep it. And it's just taking ourselves to a parallel universe, a universe where we can pick current or ex Celtic players <laughs> uh, that um, that played with Celtic. We can pick them in their prime. So age, we're taking age right out the equation and stuff. Is as long as the player was registered, didn't even need to kick a ball for Celtic. As long as they were registered at some point as a player. And currently still are a player because I think we're not wanting to make it essentially a greatest eleven. So it's just it's the what ifs, as a, as we say, it's just what could have what could have been in some parallel universe. So we'll just kind of we'll get straight into it and stuff, Stephen. Um, we'll start with yourself with the goalkeeping position. Who who have you pumped for it? Current, I mean, I assume you've not went for Joe Hart the way you're going. I'm sorry. I doubt we're going for a current player in this in this one. So. Who's your number one? I mean, Joe Hart was the furthest down the list now, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but um, look, you go through the keepers throughout the years, and I know Anthony, who's in the comments, he put Marshall, David Marshall, on, on his, and obviously Marshall's still playing, so that's one of the rules. That, that's a good one. That I mean, he was all right for us, when, in the short spell he was there until Arthur Boards came in and took his position. I mean, it wasn't really a difficult one. The, the, the goalkeeper, who's probably been the best in my supporting life, Watson, Selvig, and that obviously the caveat, the one of the rules, frankly, that, that they had to be still playing, it was Fraser Foster. I don't think mm-hmm. you could look by him. I think that when you have Lionel Messi describe you as the Great Wall and the Spanish press press saying the exact same thing, it's, it's a compliment. And we seen what he done for us not so recently in, in the League Cup final. He kept us in it. We won that game 1-0. Much thanks to him producing the world-class goalkeeper performance. And it's one of them ones. It's obviously the what ifs, and you think, what if he stayed? Do you know what I mean? You have that presence at the back, commanding. He's tall, a great shot stopper. Obviously, suspect with his feet, feet, but he's a he's a far better goalkeeper in every department than Joe Hart is currently. 
and even back then, I always I always thought the Forster should have got a better chance in England squad. I always thought he was overlooked because of where he played. I thought he was dealt a, a bad hand. I know he got his debut once and he conceded two goals and, and English press were all over him and he didn't really get a look in after that. Again, likes of Ben Foster were still getting in. Jordan Pickford, who I don't rate at all, gets in. And that, that's obviously down to the fact that Fraser Foster doesn't get much game time at the moment. But it also was to blame. And he had the chance to come back and he, he chose to stay in England. And look, that's, that's his, his own choice. But as I said, for me, there's only one player in that position. And that's big Fraser. I have, I mean, that's how I went for as well, Stephen. He was my my number one. I think Arthur Boric in my lifetime is probably the best goalkeeper, but as I say, the rules was he had to currently still be playing away uh, in, in some capacity. No, I wouldn't have picked Hart, unfortunately. No, I think when you consider... Barkas. You picked Barkas. You could have picked Barkas. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm with you, Stephen. Like, Joe Hart many years ago was a was a top top goalkeeper but I just think Fraser Foster was was way better. It's just you've got that game against Barcelona. You'll you'll always have that League Cup where I know Julian scores a goal but Fraser Fraser Foster was absolutely dynamite in that game saves a penalty and everything. So I, I pumped for Fraser Foster as well. I don't know where you are Anthony and your number one. I feel like I'm just parroting what you guys have both said because it's true if you take out the fact that Arthur Borch I think is the debatable who's better between the two, Foster and Borch, and it's a good debate to have. But considering he's not playing, it has to be free to Foster all day long. Uh, I did contemplate Craig Gordon at one point, and I remembered he jet. Um, oh, so he gets a chance Well, we need to save a penalty every so often, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's free to Foster, hands down, all day long. He, he definitely was dealt a hard hand not getting into the England squad. And I think when he did get that game, as Steven says, he it's kind of like Alan Thompson when he got he's kind of his his game in England was a friendly he got one time. And we were just so waiting, it was like a, a bee hang or something, it? something like that. But they were just waiting for him to fuck up so they could pounce on him and say, "See, that's why we don't want you. You play in Scotland, you must be shite." And it just felt like he was never due any good respect. But he's an absolute quality goalkeeper, and I would happily take him back any day. Mm. Was it? Was this debut against Chile or something? It was something like that, and he conceded two goals, and the, the press that the press didn't leave him alone, and he got hounded. And then uh, remember the headline after it was like, "This is why he plays in the SPL," and you're going, "Are, are you winding yeah. up?" Do, yeah. like, seriously, uh, of all uh, the players that we've had that could play in the England team or in the Dutch team and all this, it's, it's baffling. But that's the yeah. that's the media down there for you, and they they do the same. Well, not the exact same, but a similar vein when they go into the big tournaments, they they let the media pump themselves up to the mm-hmm. nth degree, then they just fall massively. And the media dictate and decide what's going to happen. So if the media decide, fuck you, Fraser Foster, you play Scotland, you're going to be shite, they're going to hound them, as they did. Mm. Um, which is a crying shame, because honestly, guys, fully agree with you, best goalkeeper in our lifetime, outside of that the That is quite mad when you talk about the English media, how they are massively entitled. Like, for only winning one major tournament in 1966, <laughs> they... I mean, there's no denying they're always going to be a good crop of players, but I've never it's never known confidence like it when you've only won one major tournament in all your your history, one more than uh, than than Scotland right enough. But still, we didn't go and think we were going to win everything. But there's the thing, Barney, madness. You, you take '66. We'll even talk about '67 ourselves from the club perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right talking about it, celebrate it every year. I get it. It's a massive achievement. If Scotland ever won the World Cup, I'll never shut up about it until the day I die as well. And yeah. I don't begrudge them 
enjoying that and remembering it. Oh, no, totally. But it's, it's the entitlement, as you said, the attitude when they go in, it's like, oh, we've won it before, we're going to win it again. Could you imagine mm. Celtic going into the Champions League every year and just having that same entitlement and self-righteousness? We <laughs> get spanked right back out of it. I mean, we do oh, get spanked out of it, mind you, but still... <laughs> One of the funniest things is watching the pundits getting involved in all that hype. Like Gary Lineker, mm-hmm. Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, Martin Keown. They're all in the ITV studios. They're all like, oh, we're quietly confident we can do something this year. And year after year, it's coming home. The only thing coming home is their players empty-handed, and that's guaranteed. I, I can't stand it. I'm, I'm concerned that's that Jude Bellum's are just a different gravy. But Of course, but again, Franny, that, that, look, we're a Celtic podcast talking about England, but the reason why is <laughs> because they're Fraser, Fraser Foster. But look, it's just the entitlement. It's the... The godlike attitude when it comes to football, and like you, you guys said, celebrate your victories, but don't throw them in our faces every year and say you're going to do something when you really don't. Simple as that. No, and I think we'll we'll park the England chat for another day for now, and we'll we'll move on to the right back. I'll just quickly say, anybody in the comments that want to kind of try and put together a team, kind of last minute, I crack on and we'll, we'll bring them bring your ideas up and stuff your your teams, but we'll move on to the right back. Position, uh, Anthony. I'll come to you first this time, just in case you picked the same player as me and Stephen. Um, <laughs> have you have you pumped for it right back? So I debated this morning when you gave me the rule of they have to still be registered as a player. I thought, oh, am I missing a trick that there's a player possibly still technically a player, but just uh-huh. doesn't he have a club? I thought, oh fuck. So I actually googled somebody just in case, and it turns out that Mikael Ustig is not a player anymore. From what I understand. <laughs> So I've went for the next safer option, which is Josip Juranovic. I know he's only here for a year and a half, but I think he's mm-hmm. one of the most complete right-backs that we've seen in quite a long time outside of Lustig. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, especially in the last three years, definitely the best one that we've had so far. I see. I think I've mucked up here because I'm... I've went for Jeremy Fringpong, right? And I think, I think I'm picking Fringpong more on what he's done after the left. Like, he was good at Celtic for the 18 months he was here. I mean, we bought him for about 300 grand, sold him for 12. Um, Brilliant, I, I, I ran about 12 million, I think it was reported 11 million. But I think I'm basing him on what he's done at Bayer Leverkusen, and I think that's but why I put him in my- the team. By your own rules, Franny, it's a parallel universe. It's yes, does not so, matter. So we'll, we'll bring Frimpong of current age into the seat into the side. My game, I can do what I want. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> um, aye, but I've I've pumped for Frimpong, Stephen. Which if you picked Frimpong, you picked Juranovic, or you went somewhere else, that'll make it really awkward if you go somewhere else. Well, I have to say, Alistair Jack comes in with a, a left field shot here, uh, and Adam Matthews. Still he's still. He's still a registered player. He actually plays for the, the Cypress team that Neil Lennon used to manage, and that was up until as recently as the start of the season. Did so you again, front for them at one point? He did. He Why? did, I. But Adam Matthews was a great player, and I was listening to Mark Wilson on, I think it was the, the Open Gold Wing Challenge, and he was speaking about when Adam Matthews came in, he stole his position. So <laughs> when he was in, in the squad, he got injured, and Adam Matthews came in. And he never looked back. So again, Alistair, that's a great shout. Um, in regards to Josip Branovic, and I'm going to be totally honest, for some reason, he totally escaped my mind. And I didn't really think about him. And I'm on the lines of Franny here. I, I chose Frimpong because not only the kind of nominal fee we got him for, in that kind of seasons when we had him, he, he was along with the likes of Turnbull. I know we're saying this now. And even Sorrow, to an extent, was a bright spark. 
Do you know what I mean? The, the, the kind of pace that he brought, the, the, the enthusiasm down the wing, assistant goals, and he was really raw. He'd done things he probably didn't mean, but all that catchphrase, like, oh, my days, and ban into the, the yeah. club and ban into the culture. I know that's a cliche saying it, but he really did. And then he got, he, he jumped at his first chance to move to the Bundesliga. And I think if Bayer Leverkusen, he's up there with their top goal scorers and, and assist makers in the league under Xavi Alonso. We know he's done a fantastic job. But I'm going to be honest with you, lads, like, between Josip Granovic and, and Jeremy Frimpong, I'm, I'm actually in, inclined to go with Josip Granovic at right back. I, I think, thinking back on him coming in and kind of the, when Lustig left, he left a big void and we were trying to fill that for a few years and then we got Juranovic under uh, Postacoglu and that inverted fullback position, he, so, he was so comfortable at it. You, you could tell that playing in the Croatian national team. He, he kind of played like a midfielder he was quick. He had Ryan Kent in his back pocket every time he played him. Every big game, I thought he showed well. up. Good on the ball. Oh, he was fantastic on the ball. Brilliant delivery of the ball as well. Took a panica penalty kick. Funny enough, at Baron Leverkusen, wasn't it? So was he? He took that. Was it Baron Leverkusen we were playing over in Germany? And he done the the chip. Yeah, Germany. Might have been. I think it was. Might have been Leverkusen. I think it was Baron Leverkusen. That's the only German team I remember is playing at that mm-hmm. point. But. If it goes down to a vote and in the chat if people want to get involved and I see Pat McLaughlin, mm-hmm. he's went Chris Morris, but Pat the, the rule is the what ifs eleven, the players have to be currently still still playing. And he said Paul Telfer as well. And again, the players have to be still registered as a footballer. Paul Telfer to be first, probably fifty and playing in the National League somewhere because he's nearly <laughs> fifty at us. But um I'll go I'll go Anthony. I'll compromise and I'll put if you agree, I'll put uh, Joseph Ranovich at right back. Joseph Steven, it's two and one. I mean <laughs> it's, I'd, I'll be honest, I'd kind of totally forgot about him, too. And that is no slight on Josip Juranovic. It's just, I just thought. What are, we, are we not overlooking AJ? Did I think? Nah, I think he's kind of. Has he not done it yet, like properly? Yeah, I, th- I think he mm. needs to be another year and show that yeah. the little downturn he's on just now isn't a, a sign of things to come. I think he needs to be a bit more consistent for a longer period. Nah. I say that. Joseph was only here a year and a half, mind you. I, I thought he was a baller, man. Absolute baller. It was good. It was good for that year and a half. He obviously had some of his bad games that obviously put that game at Ibrox and stuff where Ryan Stephen, funny enough, Stephen's they said about Ryan Kent, but I think it was not was um the man oh what was his name? He's not there anymore. Fast and Sakala just ripped him a new one. When he came oh why? But he, he was at Yeah, he was half out the door, I think then. Aye. Bye. Nah, so we're in we're in with Juranovic at right back and we'll now move to the left back position. Feeling this might be a wee bit unanimous, this one. Um Stephen, we'll come to you first this time. Go on, um, see it. See it. See Andy Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could have picked him. If he, could have I mean picked he, him. he's still he's a registered player, isn't he? Um look, you could be funny and say the likes of Greg Taylor, you could be funny and say uh, Mitchell Frame, all these types of guys don't mean for a laugh, but there's only one guy who filled, fills that position, that's KT, Kieran Tierney. He was mm. fantastic, and when Izagiri got that unfortunate injury, and, and Ronnie Dahlia brought him in, he, he took his opportunity, and, and he ran with it, and you see that a lot within this team, Cal McGregor, James Forrest, people of that, once they get the opportunity, they're not, they're not really out of the team anymore, and, and they take it, and I thought Kieran Tierney was just the modern-day fullback. And he done an interview recently and said he, he'll always be Celtic, he'll support Celtic, and he's loving his time at, at the Real Sociedad. And fair play to him, I think he needed to change the Arsenal. 
all the injuries he suffered are much like us as well. He, he suffered a, a lot of injuries and he kind of curtailed his career part a, a wee bit, in my opinion. But like while he was with us, and it does leave a sour taste in the mouth that he left. And but you have to understand, he left for a, a club record fee of upfront twenty five million pounds. He he wasn't joining Southampton or Norwich or whatever or Brentford. He was going to um, Arsenal, one of the big hitters in, in the English Premier League, and he, he saw that opportunity. And he even talked about it. He didn't necessarily want to go. But when you weigh up all the options, and when, and when the Celtic board here an offer of upfront £25 million, pounds, they're wet. Their appetite's soaking. They, they want to get that deal done, no matter who you are. And it was done in the end. And look, I think he proves it in the Premier League. I remember Arsenal fans calling for him, especially in his, his earlier days, saying to be player of the season, young player of the season, be captain and all, and all that type of thing. So he showed it there. And again, it's, it's one of these ones we haven't really... F- filled that gap since he's left. I know people talk about Greg Taylor, but um, Greg Taylor's nowhere near his level. I know Ross is, he said he, that's the first name that came to his mind when when uh, Kieran Turney left. That's fair enough, but Kieran Turney's a world-class footballer, a world-class left-back, and will be hard-pushed to find anyone like him. Nah, I totally agree, and I think I think you've been harsh on Greg Taylor in the sense that, and I think, if you're honest, Greg Taylor's suffering. I mean, as I'm not going to pretend to be a big Greg Taylor lover in that. But I think um, Greg Taylor suffered the fact that, you said it yourself earlier, Kieran Taylor was a world-class player. We're, are we really going to be buying world-class players? No. So you were, you were always going to be a level down for Kieran Tierney, in my opinion. And like you say, Stephen, he, he's went down to England, for, started off really well outside his injuries, but in the main he played really good. He was he was well fought down there. I think he was even talking being captain at some point. But obviously Artetis came in, likes to play sort of more that inverted fullback way and things like how Pep and Postacogla plays it sort of a city group model and just did the suit as good as it I think we all believe Kim Tierney is as a ball player is there's better out there. Zinchenko's better, but I think Zinchenko's just a, a honestly Zinchenko's I can't stick the guy. Or honestly, I cannot stick the guy. Um, better than KT. There's no way he's better than Kieran Tierney. No, no way he's better than Kieran Tierney. I just think he's... Sinchenko's just all about his selling that. I just I just kind of take to the guy. But um, what about yourself, Anthony? Who you who you plump for at left-back? No doubt Kieran Tierney. Um, there, there's no other player around. You don't have a player like that come through the ranks at Celtic <clears throat> and not select him uh, as your left-back option. He's going to be in the left-back best 11 for the next God knows how many years, if we all talk about, you know, best 11 in our lifetime or best 11 in the last decade or two decades. It's going to be Kieran every fucking time. No doubt about it. I think I think as well, Brown Warrior makes a good point here. We found him in the youth setup. same with Kyle Mack. Maybe we should, we should do the same again and develop that area of the club. I think it has been lacking over the last couple of years in terms of youth development and I know they're talking about the £25 million uh, barrel food project and making a better youth academy and stuff but we really need to take advantage of that and I know, again it flies in the face of when you say buy first team quality players and, and all that type of thing but if there's a Kieran Tierney, if there's a Forrest, if there's a Cal McGregor in, in your academy and you can see that potential early on you need to nurture that talent and, and not let them leave and this is not a kind of a hard luck story or hindsight but look at Ben Doak, look at Leo Hjelda, who's way down to Leeds, and he's getting games, and we just seem to let these guys slip away. And I know they're not getting an opportunity necessarily within the current setup, but maybe something in the future for another KT to come through needs to change that way, so the youth get a chance. If, if you understand what I mean, that's a, that's very more makes a good point. 
I do. I it's all. I do agree. It's just trying to develop your own, and like there probably will be folk in the comments. Maybe would have argued Robertson at left back, which I think is a fair argument as well. I think he was a he's a top top player, but I think Quintino will probably get the majority of folks votes simply because he was he's homegrown and did actually play for the club as much as Robert Robertson was technically released for the club. So there's not necessarily that affiliation to him if you like as a Celtic player. Um, but I like I would like us to try and obviously utilize the youth setup uh, more. I think some is probably myself included, I think, back at the time when they, they discussed the low-owned league, obviously the, the, the reserve league just totally got scrapped and then they discussed the, the low-owned league. And I think maybe sort of it wasn't looked into properly and I thought that would be great. It's it's competitive football, but I think the more you look at it, I, th- I think that's one of our biggest problems right now is that is the reserve playing in the low-owned league. I just think it's it's not a great standard for, for the players to be playing in there. And I, I just, they need to try and bring the reserve league back for me somehow. Yeah, 100%. Because you even seen in the reserve league, Franny, that senior players are dropping in when they're recovering from injury and you learn from them types of guys. that That's an option <coughs> in the Lone League. One thing I, w- I do want to ask you, and Anthony brings up a good point, Robertson would have actually been a perfect what-if selection, a real sliding doors moment. Now, mm-hmm. is Andy Robertson, now again, he's, he's won a Champions League, a Premier League and, and that type of thing. But if you weigh up Kieran Tierney as versatility, playing centre-back and, and all that types of stuff, like, would you rather have an Andy Robertson or a Kieran Tierney? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't grumble either. <laughs> I, I think you look at the Scotland setup and see that that's a really tough question to ask. Mm-hmm. The fact that Steve Clark has tried to put both of them into the, the team at the same time, playing a wing-back, full-back, or wing-back, centre-back kind of... yeah position with both of them in the same side at times tells you how difficult that choice is. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a romantic thing tells you you want to pick Tierney all the time because he, he was here through a Aye. professional contract and he did do his time here and won his medals. Think of the time when he ran back from the, the hospital at Hamden to yeah. lift the trophy and stuff. But then other people will have the, the Andy Robertson. He's played at the EPL at the highest level, won the highest you know, club prize in the Champions League and all that. And that speaks volumes as well. Um, so there's good debate for both. Me personally, I'm still going to keep picking Kiantini. Another um, player that you could have free, free in there, Fanny, was Aaron Hickey. Nah. Aaron, Aaron Hickey nah. was a youth product. I'm just saying it, he, he could point. have been up for discussion. Nah. Um, Aaron Hickey might well go and achieve very good things in football. But I don't... Right now... Because if you're throwing David Roberts, uh, Andy Robertson into the, the, the conversation, the guys won the Premier League, the guys won the Champions League. God knows how many caps he's got for Scotland. Mm-hmm. They're just not putting Aaron Hickey in that. Uh, Keenan Tierney's obviously won plenty of honours at Celtic, went down to Arsenal. I think he's won an FA Cup there, um, but featured a lot and is now over in Sociedad and, and Mon. I just think Aaron Hickey's no competing, not to knock Aaron Hickey because he's clearly a good, good player. But I just think he's not competing at that level. And to be fair, I think Anthony and uh are right in the sense that Robertson Robertson is probably a perfect what ifs, I feel like. It's it's what yeah. cause he technically not replied, but I know I've always preferred probably biased, I've always preferred KT over Andy Robertson. But I mean, I'm not complaining with either or at the end of the day. I'm not complaining with either or now. Um what we'll do with this bit is I'll just 
we'll go with we'll go with your centre half pairing just to make it easier because we're probably everyone has probably picked at least one of these players. But um, we'll come to yourself, Anthony. Just your centre half pairing. Uh, centre half pairing is it's a no brainer for me. There's a small debate that somebody might want to pick uh, a pair that's actually played together, and I can see why one of the comments had had that up there. We we a pair of players, but the obvious one is Van Dyke. Again, played at the highest level, played at World Cups, played in won the Champions League. And if you're looking at players of that caliber at Celtic or have played for Celtic, then you need to look at the current guy who's the number one choice to send back Carter Vickers as a parent. Mm-hmm. Nah, totally agree that. I mean, that's what I went for. I've I've went Carter Vickers and, and Virgil van Dijk. Um, like I say, Virgil van Dijk came in, had a bit of pedigree about him. I think he was well thought of. Um I actually think I heard a story, uh, I can't remember, it was on another podcast, I think, about um, how Mialbi went and scouted him and said he was terrible, but Telton Neil went and he had to sign him. <laughs> um, it was it was mad, so, and I think when he came in, he, he struggled, I appreciate maybe the, the level wasn't as good, or was, was it Lennon? Or, it was Lennon that signed him, wasn't it? It was Lennon. It was Lennon, yeah. And, yeah. Um, obviously, maybe the, the standard wasn't as good, but it he just, I think he stole it when he came in. He always felt he had that in him to go, go to the top level, Stephen. And then, like you said, he did. He's, he's went on and he's went on and won it all, essentially, at domestic level. And I'm, I'm with Anthony. Like, you could have maybe went Jason Denier. They had a great partnership together. Um, you could have went CCV, Starfelt and stuff. But, let's say, it's parallel universes. How I think these two would have... CCV, just look at him now. He's worked well with Starfelt. Start the season, he worked well with Norovka. He's worked well with, with skills. He just looks like he'll be able to play with, with anybody. So, uh, this so. is this is not to knock any of those players, but see uh-huh. the pair of them, Carter Vickers and Van Dyke, they both do the exact same thing. And this is not to knock anybody, uh-huh. but they, they bring up the other players around them and a quality yeah. defender, a quality leader at the back does that. But they made Denier look so much better than he actually is. Although Denier is a good player, he went on to play well for Leon and stuff. And no, no disrespect to Starfield either. He's a good player. But Carter Rickers was the the linchpin there. He's the one who brought that level up and made that partnership. How how strong it was. I mean, they and went it, on a run of games and It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. uh, and it, it's weird when you actually think about when you look at. Going to Starfield and Carter Vickers' career, Carter Vickers bounced around clubs for six months, a year, never never really stuck around a club. Starfield maybe had your typical career where he was two or three seasons at a, a team, but it was obviously CCV that was the bet. well, as is, is the better player in my opinion. Again, like you say, not to knock Starfield or anything, because he was clearly a top top player, but, um, excuse me, but I, Carter Vickers and, and, and Van Dyke for me, they were... Absolutely top, absolutely top. Where where are you going with your, your centre half pairing, Stephen? I mean, first of all, it looks like Anthony has froze. I, I don't know uh, if you're still there, Anthony, and can hear us, but if you're froze, pop off and pop back on again if you can, mate. Um, <laughs> but uh, for myself, I've. I mean, the, the first of Van Dyke things, it's nailed on, it's straightforward, he's getting in. Isn't he really like Joe? You know I mean, and I remember we had uh, John Heron, one of the next Celtic Youth product. He was on <coughs> doing a wee player interview with myself a couple of years back, and uh, he was talking about when Virgil uh, first came in, came into the club, 
and I don't I, I don't know if he's come back or not here. He seems a lost no, I'll connection. Keep, I'll keep an eye on him. I'll keep an yeah. eye on him. Yeah. But so when he first came into the club, John Hurm was like one of the first training sessions. He came in and as a centre back, he, he looked kind of built like a built like a fiver, so to speak. So I mean, he was tall, he was athletic, he was robust, and that uh, he was saying he was taking on the players, got up the pitch, scoring worldies, top corners, the bottom corners, headers, whatever free kicks, and all the players just kind of gasped about this guy's a joke. And I remember Neil Lennon saying one of the very first sessions as well, you knew he was going to reach the top. And a lot of managers say this. Do I mean? A lot of managers be like, oh, we knew it from the start, we knew it from the beginning, but. With Virgil van Dijk, especially in the Scottish League, you could tell he was miles above. Even in the uh, the Champions League as well, it's um, it's like he had some mistakes in him, but he was young, he was learning, he was naive. And then gradually, when he played more that level, you could see that the top class that he was. And it's like he's a stickler. And I know you've teamed me up for an absolute shocker here when I say my next pick, because you and Anthony are in harmony with... Uh, with Van Dyke and, and Carter Vickers, I've went different. My partner, <laughs> my, my partner is uh, dusting Dion's comment. They're built like a long cash roll-up, Stephen. But um, mm-hmm. my, my uh, partnership is Virgil Van Dyke and Christopher Iyer. And the reasoning behind this is quite simple. Iyer and Van Dyke are can take the ball from the back, can dribble the length of the pitch. They can also defend their quick recovery pace. They're tall, they're strong, they're athletic, they can move. And I know the argument with uh, Carter Vickers and things, that's fair enough. He's a fantastic player and, and, and all that. I love him at Celtic at the moment. But for me, it's Christopher Ayer. That goal always c- comes to mind was at Pataudry when he ran down the right-hand side, took them all out, banged it into the top corner. What an absolute goal. And I just really like him as a player. And he came into us really young. He was a captain of his team in Norway. He was playing senior games. He got loaned out to Kilmarnock to get to know the Scottish game. And he'd done really well there. And he came back to us and he, he took that and he ran with it. And he was a mainstay until he left. I know with Brentford, is kind of up and down with him at the minute. I don't think Thomas Frank quite likes him. He's never really involved in starting at Evans. He comes on a lot, but he doesn't really start much games for Brentford. But it's... I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. People... People can uh, say here, Anthony, I don't know if you heard, but I've went for, for Van Dyke and Christopher Iyer. I you know, know I, Christ- can, I, I can see that. Sorry, I can see that. Aye. 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 I, I, I can don't see, I don't think he's a bad player. Nah. Yeah. I can see I can see a reasoning, but I thought Iyer at times was rash and dived in at Hanks for the, the sake of it. But again, in the COVID season, I think he was a way better shining light in the COVID season. By the way, Monty, that would be some centre-half partnership. That would be. Doesn't it doesn't fall within the rules, unfortunately? Hmm. <laughs> no, I can I, see. I, I, I mean, he, he's a midfielder, come defender. He can play right back as well. He can carry the ball forward. He was a bit rash at times, but I, I can see why you would go for him. I, I don't agree with it when you've got Carter Vickers, but I can see why you could go for him. Right. It's not the necessarily agreeing part. I mean, you could also point to the fact. I mean, Celt. Uh, idiot brings up here. It's mental that FA Ambrose played in some of her biggest games in Europe. These people in their own right, centre-halves, had big games and played well for us when they were there. I mean, FA Ambrose was an enigma, but I mean, you, you look at Christopher, you look at Dedrick Boyata, you look at Jason Denar, uh, Simonovic, all these types of guys. They were good players. F- Philippe Bankovic, he still gets talked about and he's on the treatment table. I think he's retired, <coughs> so you can't really name him. The reason why I picked that, much like you picked Carter Vickers, I just think 
if we're looking at a style, if we're looking at overall style, Van Dijk and Ayer can play the ball, they can take the ball on the run, they can link up with the midfield. And I just think as an all-round package, I think that would, would, would be fantastic. And look, that's my vote. I, I'll leave it up to you to decide. Oh, well, the rules are the rules. Two's off pack CCV, so CCV's in, <laughs> Stephen. Well, who's the other one going to be beside him? I'd pick CCV as well. How many centre-halves have you picked? Like, so you picked Van Dyke, CCV and Ayer? Oh, shit, no, shit. CCV. Right, so Van Dyke, Carter, it has to be Carter Vickers and Van Dyke. Fair enough. Aye. Aye. Oh, God's sake, Stephen. God's sake. Right. Fuck them um, already. I think I did come to you for... I'm going to actually come to you, Stephen, for your... Your sort of a central defender uh, in midfield because I've looked at your team and this is going to make a lot of folk laugh. Who is it, Stephen? M- my CDM? Why would it make yes. people laugh? I'm actually interested. No, Give me your outlines and why it make people laugh before no, you name the player. Tell me it. Are you tell confusing it. it with mine, perhaps? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I've looked at yours. Go and tell me it, Stephen. This is going to be really embarrassing, isn't it? Nice centre defensive mid, Scott Brown. Yes. Go and look at the roof, Stephen. Doesn't play football anymore. Yes. Be, is that the match? Oh, no! No! Is that the match? I will. We'll come to you, Anthony. Can I name it? Oh, my God, that's scundering. So now, I wouldn't. You clearly understood the rules because I wouldn't call day. it a central defensive oh, but he is in that kind of position where when you look at a three-man midfield sort of thing. Um, I went with Key Sung Young, who's still playing football in South Korea just now. Uh, he is. I think he's still in the top tier because I I considered yeah. him because I, I only know he plays in the top tier because I considered him. And I was like, he's about to still be playing. Had to Google as well. Aye, <laughs> uh, to check if he was still playing. But um, Key Sung Young, did he not say you get known as Dave? Dave, mad like that. Was it was it an interview where somebody tried to ask him how to pronounce his name? And he just basically said, "Just call me Dave." Aye, Make just call easy. me Dave. Uh, in the chat. Um, yeah, I, I contemplated Wanyama. I really, really did. And then I started thinking about the general um, flow of the team. And although Wanyama, I think, was screaming out for that kind of player for the big European games at times, I wanted a a more attacking minded. Kind of fancy a footballing team, so I went way key in the midfield there. Uh, hopefully, complements the rest of the attacking front as well. Well, it doesn't come that mine, I'm fucking retired. Well, I'll let you know who I've picked, Stephen, and I'll give you a wee chance to, to pick your one. Um, I went with Wanyama, I went just simply because he's I've and I, maybe a wee bit of that's based on we're screaming out for that type of player now that we're, we're kind of asking for that sort of a Wanyama. Keyson Young was probably an extent that to, he was a big laddie, like a, and plenty, plenty engine about him and stuff. But I, I thought when Yama, absolute, absolute baller, just bullied boys in their league. Obviously, like Paul, Pat McLaughlin saying, got that goal against Barcelona. Um, I, and he had one against Hearts as well, where he just it was late in the game, we were chasing the goal, and he absolutely just pinged it into the top corner for about twenty five yards. Obviously left to go to Southampton on to on to Spurs and I think I don't know if he had a spell in Belgium or just went straight over to America, but he's, he's obviously over there playing now. But I I thought for me and that sort of the central of the three I've I've picked Victor and Yama. So Stephen Nerzers gave you two. Are you going with uh-huh. any two or are you picking somebody else that's no retired? 
Lou Lennon. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I've had an absolute, I've had an absolute nightmare. You teed me up, by the way. I'm, I I'm coming in. There's like that. Talk about the fishing hook, man. I hear Paul McStay's an old bad player these days. <laughs> I mean, wasn't Key Song Young? He, he was described as a Korean Gerard at one point. One, I remember that being the big uh, headline. It's got a lot when of we signed him. He is. Key was Key, Key was a, a brilliant player. I thought he was, as you said, Anthony. He was. I mean, as a ball specialist, as a as a ball player, I thought he was fantastic, and even tackling and, and kind of breaking up the play, he was great at it as well. Um, Wanyama, look, I have to go with Franny here. I'm gonna I'm gonna compromise because I've absolutely fucked my own selection up. I'm gonna go with uh, Victor Wanyama because it. I mean, I thought he was again. You're, we're on about we want physicality, and he's that tip, he's that ideal player you want in the midfield. Like no one get near him. Even watching Barcelona play against him, the players were bouncing off him. And uh, he was brilliant in the Champions League. He was brilliant in big games in the SPL. And we got him for like eight hundred grand from was a beer shot in, in, in Belgium at the time. And what an absolute buy he was and, and a colossus. And he still loves Celtic to this day. He was played a big part and and <laughs> he played a big part in Alistair Johnson joining um from Montreal when he was there with him and I think AJ speaks about him in, in kind words and the way he says about Celtic all the time. And look it both hard choices there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Victor Banyama. I'm not gonna go with Moy. I'm not gonna go with Sorrow. Victor Banyama. Sounds sounds right. Well glad you glad you listened to the rules, Stephen. Right, we'll go to Well do you know what um, confused me? I'll be totally honest, right? Scott Brown, when he got sacked from Fleetwood, there was a headline in the paper saying he was training with a, a League Two Scotty side. And I think that stayed in my mind, being like, as he registered again as a player? But obviously he hasn't, yeah, he but he was. I don't know. I'm sure he, played, he was playing in a friendly. I think that's what that was all about. I'm sure he played in Scotland. Does that count? Friendly match. Does that not no. count? Because he didn't need to be a professional player to play in a friendly match. There's a whole point. It's a friendly, Stephen. I could play in a friendly match. <laughs> Rules. I know. If there's no rules, Stephen, there'd be anarchy. All right. Right. <laughs> God's sake, man. I think you were in the Green Brigade the way you're going on. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, right. So we'll move on to the next player and next player in midfield. Um, we'll, go, we'll come to yourself again, Stephen. We'll give you a chance to see if you've picked a player that's not retired this time. So give me your next midfielder. And he's hey. away. <laughs> just, we'll come to yourself, Anthony, then. I think I'm back. Oh, he's back. He's back. Right. He's back. On you go, Stephen. We'll give you a chance to pick a midfielder that's not retired. So my number <coughs> number eight, technically, isn't it? Is has to be Callum McGregor. Don't think you can look past him and what he's achieved at Celtic, even more so when Scott Brown's left. He's, he took the mantelpiece of that captaincy and made it his own. And I always remember when he first came in on the Ronnie, he was a winger, predominantly off the left hand side and right hand side he played. And he played a match over, I think it was Helsinki, in a, in a qualifier, and he, he scored. I think that was one of his first ever games. And I think when he went on, on loan to Notts County, he was with Jack Grealish, and he was up there with Player of the Year down there. He was scoring goals, and he was contributing. And when he came back to us, I don't think that the signs in the beginning looked good. I think, again, it was more injury that forced Ronnie's hand to, to take that opportunity. And again, we always said that these players have to take it and make, it, make that possession their own, and he has done. He's made multiple possessions his own. And I just love him as a player. I love him as a captain. And look, he's not the ideal, um, what would you call that, CDM that people think he plays. He's a, he's a quarterback, in my opinion. He links up the play, takes the ball. 
he never really loses it. He, he's so key to how we play. And if he's on it, as we see against uh, Rangers both times, we're a hard team to stop and he's a hard player to pick up. And that's that's my reason for Kalmak. And added to that, the, the trophies he's won, the players that under his stewardship that, that's improved, the, the likes of exactly Corville, the likes of um, Matt O'Reilly, I think learning from him. And it's making a great difference to his game, along with Brendan Rodgers. And he's so invaluable. And I think Rodgers summed it up. That literally, he's a, he's a level above any player in the league. Levels above. And we're so lucky, in my opinion, that, that he's stayed with us for many years as he has. And he's not really left to, to chase the riches of the Premier League, which he could have. We know Rodgers tried to sign him for Leicester. And, and look, he, he chose to stay with Celtic. And I mean, we've, we've been the main beneficiaries of that. He's a fantastic football player. And I totally agree. He's, he's, he's who I've, I've plumped for as well, Stephen. I mean, the countless honours that he's got at Celtic and stuff is is unreal. I generally think, I think it might have been me. You two as well after the Celtic Rangers game, we were talking about McGregor. I think it was maybe Brown one. The comment said, "Is he generally one of the best players that we've ever had?" And things like that in midfield. And I, I think he's, I think he's top top. And I, I really think he's a really. Not underrated at Celtic, but I think underrated maybe in UK football. I, I generally think yeah. Carl McGregor play with nearly any team in the world football. I just think he's technically that that good. I think he's that good. You see him when he plays with Scotland, obviously he's got better players like McTominay, McGinn, Gilmore and that round about him. It, it really just, you see him, he zips the ball in great and stuff. He's, he's brilliant. I don't don't know where you are with your next midfielder, Anthony. Oh, exactly. It's a clean sweep eye. It had to be McGregor. Um, if Brown was technically still playing, you could uh, have have a debate there as we did last week after the training. <laughs> um, but it's McGregor all all day uh, under the rules that we're in just now. It's, it's McGregor all 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 day long there. Um, he has to be up there with Brown as one of the most decorated players, uh, medal wise. Obviously, needs to do a bit more as a captain to to take the mat off. Brownie for that one, which will probably be a struggle yeah. considering his age. Um, but as a player, he's done it all with Celtic, hasn't he? Um, he'll go down as, as as a legend at this club once he retires. And I'd imagine he's not scouting a loan deal aside. It'll be <clears> a, a one-club man sort of thing. Yeah. I think he'll be one of them that will be a one-club man that's not a one-club man, I feel like, because like yeah. he had, had that bit at Notts County and stuff that he just don't know that probably... It, that helped develop him and stuff, and fair play on he's just came back and um, that's quite a good comment, by the way. I was thinking a different Kaiser, but uh, but it's I I saw I just got totally distracted there, but I know Carl McGregor. I You're just fucking think, distracted everybody. He's a top top player. <laughs> I'll explain it later. I'll explain it later. But um, we'll come to yourself, Anthony. Your your third and final midfielder. Right. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to change what I've put down on my paper because I've already sent the picture. Somebody's just came to your head, didn't you? Aye, and I don't know why I've not picked him because, like I said at the start, I was too busy fixating on the technically still registered as a footballer. I thought, right, I know Tom Roderick retired early and young. I thought, but is he still registered so he can play like part-time football in Australia or some nonsense like that? Or did he sign for a player... Same for a club and Doha, some nonsense like that, and he's still kicking about. So I thought, mm, Tom Rogic, I want to get him in there. So I Googled him, as I did with a few other players, obviously, and I realised he's no. So I struggled, and a certain player who plays for us currently, who will probably be your two guys' picks, 
I forgot all about them. So I've actually manipulated it to try and get a second striker in here, and it doesn't complement the midfield at all. <laughs> but I've pumped with Kyogo playing off of the striker as some sort of bridge between it all. I I can get it. I can get it because I'll be honest. I looked at you. I have looked at your team, and when folks see it, that will make sense why you've picked Kyogo because you've went more yeah. of the sort of a, the four-two-three-one type idea. I'm yeah. sure your formation's kind of more like that. So. Kyle goes more in the tent, more in the band. So I do kind of understand that, and I, I get it. I, I mean, I've went for a current player, but it's it's the man of the moment for me to now. I, I couldn't really think he. Bernardo. Would, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, he is actually the man of the moment, but I've went for uh, I've went I went for another one that is similar to Andy Robertson in the sense that it, it, it fits into the, the what-if. I've went with Matt O'Reilly because it, it falls into the what-if for me in the sense that what if we got our first choice that time? We wanted Riley McGree. McGree. He chose yeah. Middlesbrough. We went for this guy for MK Dons that had fell out, it fell, out fell down the, the sort of pecking order in Fulham, went to MK Dons to revive his career. Was getting looked at by Liverpool. We we taken a chance. I said taking a chance. We spent one and a half million taking a chance on him or something like that. And I just think the guy's absolutely dynamite. You could have maybe picked up. I, I considered putting Stuart Armstrong in. I thought he was brilliant at us. I, I really did think he was good. He obviously went to Southampton. He's been he's been really good. But for me, I just think Matt Riley's just he's absolutely frightening. And I just think he's Carl McGregor. I say I think Carl McGregor could play for anybody in the world. I think Matt Riley. I put him in. Probably in that category, and I think there's a chance he might do something like that. There's obviously the talk of Inter Milan and things, so I just I had to put Matt Riley in the team, Stephen. I don't know where you are. I mean, looking at the comments there, look at Stuart Armstrong, <coughs> and anyone who watches this podcast regularly knows I don't think we've ever really replaced them properly. Obviously, the players and I, like O'Reilly and Bernardo, could be them, but I loved Stuart Armstrong at the club, and even when Rogers come in, the development you've seen in him, and again, it's very similar to the way O'Reilly's developing within the team at the moment under uh, Rogers, kind of Watson. They're both quality players in their own right. But I've actually went for Rio Atate. Mm. I think I Rio... We've got three different players here. Well, we're going to have to fight. We're just going to have to fight. That's that's what's going to happen. I'll fight that. I, I know you're going to say, you're keeping your pick. You're not changing it. No. We're going to fight it out to the death. I, I was going to say, considering how... You- Severely messed up that pick by not thinking of Matt O'Reilly. I'm kind of half in the Matt O'Reilly camp, so if we want to to duke it out somehow, I think I'm going to fall on the Matt O'Reilly side. Well, do you know what? I'm going to convince oh, you, right? Do you know what? I'm going to convince you. Rio Atate has been the love child since he's joined this club. He came in and his impact over the, the, the first six to seven weeks was fantastic. He scored a Tyne Castle, scored two goals against the, the Rotten Mob. And he's done a lot. Not only that, Rio Atate in Champions League level as well. I know he gives the ball away that, but he's the only really player. Yes, Boise, he is a baller. Again, there's three. He's on the the, the O'Reilly <laughs> bus. The O'Reilly bus, there's three bus. <laughs> but um, I, I just think, for me, Atate, he's a wonderful, wonderful footballer. And he can do anything. He, I know Rogers was speaking about when he first came in and he wanted to change aspects of his game, track it back, work rate. And I fought until... Until he got injured, he was doing that. He was changing this game. And you've seen him, I think, adapting slightly to the new formation, adapting slightly to the new tactics and getting involved with the play more, dropping deep, getting into the box. Like, like we're used to him doing. And 
I just think we, we talked about it before. I mean, we talked about O'Reilly earning this 25 million plus. We were speaking about Rio like this before uh, Rogers signed the club under Posta Cogdu. Everyone was going, Rio's going to go for a club record fee. And if he recaptures that form again, I think that he'll be one of them guys who will do that. I, I, I think for breaking the lines, for quickness of play, for intelligence, and yeah, sometimes he gives the ball away and he's frustrating, but he's he's a player who takes a risk, and I love that within a player, and that's the reason why I have uh, went for a Tate, albeit Brown's retired, so he had to give me one of them. Wanyama's in there, Kalmak's in there, and you're trying to tell me a midfield of Wanyama, Kalmak, and Rio wouldn't put the Frighteners up? Yeah, of course it would. I'm not saying it wouldn't, and I'm not taking anything away for Hatate, but you made, a, you made a point there that if Hatate can get back there, I think Hatate's a, a really, really good player. Could be a, a top player, but O'Reilly has taken his game that extra level. I know Hatate has been has been injured, and he was probably on a wee bit of form, but O'Reilly has a bit of luck, obviously, stayed fit. But I just think season on season since um, O'Reilly's came in, he's just taken his game level on level on level, whereas I think Hatate's got better, but not. Nah, not for me. Like, I get McGregor when you Hatate is a great midfield, but you're not telling me it's better than Wanyama, McGregor, O'Reilly. I'm sorry, Steve. I'll tell you why it's better. I'll tell you why it's better. Yeah. I look at O'Reilly, I look at McGregor <coughs> and Wanyama. Now, for me, O'Reilly doesn't have that burst of pace, that kind of edge of the box, drop of the soldier, soldier, drop of the, the, the shoulder and you're in. For me, he doesn't have that. Rio has that. And he, even when he came on against the Murray, he looked like he had that wee yard of pace again. O'Reilly's got everything else. But I'm looking at this from a point. Cal Max, the, the, the deep line playmaker in this kind of position, threading the balls into whoever I have up top. Hopefully they're not retired. And you've got Rio getting on the end of that. And I, I think for me, it's class. Like, oh, 100%. 100%, boys. But I, I'm, coming, I'm coming across the point of that we burst the pace to get inside the box and, and, and be that second striker, like you said with Kugo, Anthony. That's why I'm sticking really with that. I really picks yourself up in nice wee positions in that sort of for the inside channel. So, and Stephen, it's my game, my rules. Two's picked O'Reilly. O'Reilly's in. Well, I haven't heard Anthony speak. You've just presumed that. He, he said it before I talked, and I please don't say O'Reilly, please. No. Please don't say O'Reilly. See, <laughs> oh, so you put me in a position. I can see what you're saying, Stephen. Um, I, I, I think back to the Real Madrid game last year, the first one where we went toe-to-toe with them for the first half. 60 minutes sort of thing. I really think we done done fantastically well um, against Real Madrid. And after that game, I honestly thought Real Tati was the standout performance. That, so much so that I think teams like Real Madrid would have had an eye on him for a while after that. His form's dropped off this year. He's been injured. He's had whatever issues going on about contracts. People will tell you he's played on his mind. I don't think it did. I think it's just injury. And he, he truly is uh, a quality player. As you say, he's got that little burst of pace. He can drop the shoulder. He can turn turn a man really well. O'Reilly can't do it as quickly as that. But then O'Reilly is more of a Tom Rogic kind of player when he comes to complementing this midfield three. And if we're going to try and build a, a an 11 that was going to kind of somewhat complement and hopefully play well together, then if you're playing Cal Mack, and Wanyama, I think Hitati is just a third option that's just going to sit a bit too deep. I don't think you've got, as much as Hitati can get into the box sometimes, I don't think you've got enough there as a complementary third choice. You need a Tom Rogic, you need a, a Matt O'Reilly, and yeah, I'm going to side with Matt O'Reilly. 
Thanks very much, Anthony. You're Thanks welcome. very much. And on that, I'll come to you, my soundest, soundest pal. <laughs> on yeah, we'll we'll start with we'll start with the right mid. We can be a wee bit flexible with us in the sense that they might have predominantly played a lot in the left, played a lot in the right, but they could play both sides. So, as I say, parallel universes. It's that's so what us. Who's went, who are you pumped for sort of for the right of your so, for the right? As you say, kind of left side, right side. We we did this a lot with a couple of players back in the the noughties where we we flipped them over so you could have the left foot on the right side and all the rest of it. And currently he's still playing football. And currently I believe he is actually playing right sided of a of a of a midfield. I'm going to stick with him, uh, Eden McGeady, right mid. I uh, see. So we kind of we, we we briefly spoke off air about this, and I totally forgot he was still playing football. And uh, he was a top top player at us. I mean, he ripped in the Champions League. He ripped um, AC Milan a new Maldini. one and things like yeah. that. I ripped Maldir a new one. Was ripping Nesta a new one. You're like these are top. These are guys that won it all, won World Cups and that. It's madness, madness. But I, I I'd forgot about him, so I I, I went for uh, Jota Stephen. Just a wee bit of probably recency bias. In that one, in the sense that for me, was you're sort of a, it seems a bit contradictory. As if this is not a slant on my giddy because I totally <laughs> forgot he was still playing football. But because I think they're two very, very similar players. The, the, the type of winger that you want gets the ball down, beats a guy, entertains, gets the players, uh, the fans off their seat, if you like. Um, I just thought Jock was all of that. He embraced the culture and things. He, he, he really liked to get his sailing balls and stuff. but I went for Jot on the right, Stephen. I don't know if you've remembered that McGee still played football. Well, I have remembered it. Right, I'll keep that in the cap. Right, <laughs> on the right hand side, I went for Felipe Yada. Um, and much like yourself, mate, it's it is recency bass. Do you know what I mean? It's something you can remember fresh. And he, he was excellent while he was uh, with Celtic. He was a showman. And I thought Gavin actually. This line stuck with me when we were speaking to Gavin. And the last podcast, he said he was an extrovert, and you could tell that he he was flamboyant. He got involved with everything. He was doing photo shoots and and Celtic pubs. He was again. He was getting in with the people. His celebrations always meant something. Not to mention his skills, his tricks, his goals, and even the free kick at the burnabout. These things stick with you. Do I mean he was he was electric when he was on form? He scored some vital goals. I remember a couple up with Audrey and against them as well. The wee chip over Al McGregor. The finish his career off, and he was just an absolute cracking winger. And like you said, he had to be flexible at the top end of the pitch, and he could play right or left. And we knew that they accommodate me. They had to play on the right hand side more. And look, there's I know there's shouts in the comments for likes of uh, Paddy Roberts and things like that, but Felipe Yada was he was he was on fire for me. That the whole duration he was with us. I know he had a wee a wee dip in form, but that was like four or five games. And then he came back, and he was like bang. I'm away here. And look, he went to Saudi Arabia and was it for money? Probably. Right. Oh, and it's not really, it's, 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 it's not really working out for him over there. And there's talk of him again, again, the romantic side of things. Is he going to come alone back to South again? And this might sound controversial. I wouldn't take him back. He made the choice to move. He made the choice to, to, to go to Saudi Arabia. And that for me should be the end of his story with, with Celtic. And if he moves to Tottenham, like the, Rumour suggests as well they're interested in him. Then maybe he could forge a career for him in the EPL. But for me, his time is done at Celtic and he's chose the path. And that's fair enough. I've no kind of gripes towards him. But he, I just loved him while he was with us. And 
again, he, he, so many memories that he brings. And again, the celebrations, as I said, and he just bought a different. And when he was going to sign for us, remember all that he was doing five a side New York with Celtic caps uh, on, crazy. Like like I, this guy's just like out it, in the street it, does playing football. He kind of he played as a wee bit in the sense that he was teasing us, if you like, but. Mm. I just a, a proper Jota's a proper proper player. And I, I think he's obviously young enough to come back to Europe and, and forge a decent career. That's there's no denying he went over to Saudi for money. Oh, I mean, of course he did. Of course. It 170 grand, 190 grand or something. I'm, I'll, I'll be a there in a heartbeat, not a problem. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump onto the, the left, Stephen. And I'm sorry, Anthony Jota's got it simply. I, I would have probably picked Mickey there if I remembered them, but I didn't. Uh, I, don't <laughs> I, know why. I, I, I actually forgot about Jota. <laughs> 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 but, Stephen, if you go to the left of your midfield, who, who are you picking? Well, I have to pick the, the Irish kingpin, don't I? The Irish man, Aidan McGeady. It's, well, like, he's he's going on. He's going on the left for me. Like, and again, if I'm talking about memories, do you remember the Aidan McGeady spin? I remember being a kid, and that's all I used to try outside playing football. Oh, the McGeady turn. That's all I used to try outside playing football with mates. Nine times out of ten, I fell flat in my face. But the one time it worked, it was fantastic, and I scored a goal. You know, these things happen. Do you know what I mean? Quality and all that. But he was, again, coming in as a young kid under Martin O'Neill. And as you said, like the Champions League, he wasn't scared. He wasn't afraid. He took it on board, and he ripped Maldini a new one, that AC Milan team. Also against Manchester United and teams of that nature as well. He was absolutely, he was a wonderful player. The Irish national team, I think he was probably playing for them up until about 2021, I believe. So that's how much he was relied on for them. So that kind of maverick type player that kind of gets you off your seats, can do stuff with the ball that other players can't. And he was certainly one of them guys. And another one, in my opinion, that left the club for money to go to Russia. But back then, whatever we got, I think it was like 9.5 million. I think the club wanted that fee and I think McGeady came out and said he actually didn't want to move, much like Kieran Tierney, but the club wanted the money and you can't really argue with that. Um, he was just fantastic. And if you're talking about kind of flair, energy, skill at the top end of the pitch, Jada, McGeady one side, I think that brings the dynamism, that brings the assist, that brings the goals, that brings the, the excitement. And you'd be going to every match kind of what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And it always baffled me why Gordon Strachan never really took on Dave McGeady. And you always hear the stories that Strachan used to tell him that you stick to the line, you don't come away from the line, do not come away from the line. And anytime he did, he, he always made a difference in my opinion. But obviously Strachan seen something different. Maybe it was his attitude, maybe he just didn't get on. And that, that's the way life goes sometimes and you have to move on from the club. And that happened in the end. And look, I know he played against us in the Champions League and we spanked Spartak Moscow then. And that was quite fun. I mean, it was fun to do that, but you can't deny his talent. You can't deny what he brought to the club in, in, in that period of time that was with us. And you can talk about Mera and you can talk about Scott Sinclair maybe, but Aidan McGinney was, again, if you're talking about just a winger with just flamboyance and skill and a, a flair for the game, that's why he's in for me. I mean, you're, you're well, both of you and Anthony, Anthony have staked a good claim to get Aidan McGinney in this team that much. When you've, you've picked them in two different positions and as I say, well, you'll not be surprised Arno went from for left mid because obviously I never remembered him at the right. I didn't, so I don't remember him on the left. But one of the easiest picks for me was Scott Sinclair on the left. I don't know about you, Anthony. Yeah, Scott Sinclair as well. I just need to point out, are we actually going to get three votes for Aidan McGeady and yet he doesn't get into the side on either <laughs> side? It's, it's looking that way, by the way. It's looking that um, way. 
But yeah, for the left wing, Scott Sinclair. Um, I'll admit I forgot about Jota for some reason, but see, even thinking on it for a purely left wing side of it, I'm still going to pick Scott Sinclair. On his day at Celtic, what did he go? Six or seven games in a row when he first signed for us, scoring every single game. Uh, I think he got a brace against Hearts as well when he first joined. He's an unbelievable talent. His goal scoring record for three or four years was, you know, double figures, nigh on 20 goals every season for us. He, he never let that drop, really. He, he can link up well with the, the the striker at the time, which we'll come on to in a minute as well. Um, he's just different class for us. Um, very humble kind of guy. And I kind of want to bring it back, Stephen, to Carter Vickers. As you mentioned, that he's he's played at quite a lot of teams, six-month loan here, six-month loan there. And I wonder if Carter Vickers has mentally done a similar thing to what Scott Sinclair did when he joined Celtic, although Sinclair was a lot more public about admitting it that he made his money at Man City. He's done all the stuff he had to do in England. He's made all his money. He's not playing football. When he joined Celtic, he said he's not playing football for the money anymore. He's playing it for the joy of the game. And he wanted to win medals. And he truly did enjoy and love the game. I think he did when he was up here playing for us. And you saw that and how he, he kept getting those goals and just really enjoyed coming on and off that left side. And I'm hoping that it's a similar thing for Carter Vickers, that he's probably made his money. And he's probably now realised what his level is. And by all means, it, it possibly is a wee half step above where we currently are, SPFL kind of wise. But these are guys that are probably realising they're not going to get into an EPL winning side. So why not enjoy your football at a club where you can be loved and still play in the Champions League and still earn a good, a good wage whilst also probably having millions in the bank anyway. I know, totally agree. I think, like I say, Sinclair was one of the easiest picks for me. Um, I, it was always got to be in the left for me with Sinclair. And like I say, he bounced a lot around a lot of clubs and that, Anthony and stuff. And then when he did come in, he obviously came in late. And I say late in the window, it was the start of this, the season. I think he came, signed that morning, goes on to score the winning goal against Hearts. And I just think he never once looked back. And it was it was a transfer, I think, of memory that sort of a, Dragged on a wee bit in the summer. You could tell Rogers really wanted him and knew he was going to take us to that next level. It was not a, a, a top top like super player, but it was it was above above the level that we we had. It was a it, it was a really good player. And I think I think we noticed some of this like it, I think in his first season he actually won Player of the Year and stuff. Obviously made it into the team year. I just it was a treble treble when he won every trophy while he was here and stuff. And I think he still speaks fondly of us. So I. Sinclair has to, for me, has to be in the team. Has to be in the team. I just, again, I totally forgot about McGee. But I just, I think even then on the left, just what Sinclair brought to that team and what he would bring to the team now, I just think is is absolutely, absolutely frightening. But we're we're getting right to the, the focal point of the team now. And we know... Anthony's no pick to current sort of a, a guy that's probably been hailed as the best since Larson. He's got him in his team, Anthony, in fairness to him. He just was obviously getting him into sh- to get some deals in the team. But I'll come Two of us have, have McGeady in our team and he, he's nowhere to be seen. I yeah. know. Um, but we'll, we'll come to yourself, Anthony. Who, who's spearheading, spearheading this uh, fantastic team we're assembling? I'm, I'm now and, thinking that this guy, the guy that's in my attacking midfield position, might actually not get into this team. And as you <laughs> say, he's in the debate as being the best player 
since Larson, well, best striker since Larson. Um, the first name almost on my team sheet was this guy, um, Hans Skelper Extraordinaire, is uh, Moussa Dembele for me, and it's it's to go in line with the the wingers themselves, and maybe I'm I'm thinking back to the days of having Sinclair, but to connect with Dembele and having Aidan McGinty on the right side coming in and connecting on in my team anyway. Um, but Jota would do do superbly well there as well. Don't worry. But I think he he would thrive. We are. Uh, those two supporting him. Um, the belly, big lad up top, as you say, focal point of the team. Get the ball up to him, he'll do damage every single day. I know, that's it's who I've plumped for as well. And it's strange, it's maybe a wee bit controversial in the fact that I think it's a fair argument to say that Kyle was probably the best since Larson. But it's just, Dembele's the type of striker I like. He's just that big, bullying mm-hmm. boy. He's I just thought he was a different gravy when he was there. Like it, it's weird. I would, I would maybe argue Kyle was a better player than him, but I would probably have Dan Bailey in my team first, which makes absolutely zero sense. Zero sense. But I just think he's a more all-rounded, complete striker than Bailey. I mean, you just need to look. He's got, he went to Leon on the back of us. Um, we apparently if he read a lot of papers back then, and now we, we never made any money on him because he left Leon for nothing. But they forget the twenty million that we signed sell him for. And stuff like that, but he obviously went on to Leon, had a very good career in France, goal scoring wise. Then went over to Atletico Madrid on loan. I don't, although he's got a league medal, I think that's a wee bit false in the sense that I think it was more he played enough games than actually contributed. I feel like, but I, think I, could be wrong. La, I think La Liga is actually one of those leagues where you just need to appear. I don't think he played much when he was over there. I, I felt that as well. So it's, as I say, he has got a league medal, but I think it might be a wee bit false in, the, in that term. But he's obviously he did, another one that's to be fair, he did, he did take a, was he quite a heart attack, was he? But he did collapse. Had issues, so aye. there was issues that was aye, out with his control as such. Aye. And then obviously he's like say he's went over to Saudi probably probably for footballing reasons and not money reasons like a lot of boys, but who are we to slate guys that are about to just get absolutely tons of coin. Tons of coin. But Stephen, I don't know about yourself, you went for for somebody different up front. I actually can't remember. Well, look, I'm looking at the comments fly up. You see the likes of Edward getting mentioned, Gary Hooper, mm-hmm. Lee Griffiths. I got for Stoughton this play. Actually. He, he plays for uh, oh, I, can, I can't remember the name of the team but he was actually on TV the other night and I watched them is it Newport? There's something like that anyway they were playing in the FA Cup and he came on like the 86th minute but um, yeah I mean Lee Griffiths Eddie uh, Dembele um, all these guys and again all fantastic strikers in their own right and Moose seems to be the, the overwhelming favourite in the comments and kind of getting the love in but I've plumped with a guy that you are saying is the best striker since Larson and that, for me, is Kyogo Furuhashi. He's come in to, to the club, and he was one of the first signings Postacoglu made. And he even said it himself when he signed him, he has to basically hit the ground running, and he did. And since then, bar the dip he's had this season, well, dip, do you know what I mean? He still scored vital goals and that in the Champions League and things. He's been absolutely excellent. And I know there's calls to get the likes of a physical striker in and things like that. Look, I still think that needs to happen. And even to aid a Kyogo in times and games and a different option up front to play with him, like Fenneger has, thinking Scott McDonald used to do, kind of big and tall, play off each other. But um, 
Kyogo his goals in cup finals, his goals in the derbies, his goals in the Champions League. I mean, the, the goal the other week against Butland, world class, just world mm-hmm. class. He, he, get, he gets told at Shankland by the, the worst pundit in football that is a better finisher than Kyogo, and Kyogo answers him, does the talking on the pitch and shows he's the best striker without question in the SPFL. And his quality for me shines through and I, lo- I love watching him play with a smile on his face and one thing I've noticed maybe on the Rodgers is he's getting involved in the games a bit more and I'm liking that, linking up the play and, and getting involved with the wing play and kind of threading balls through. And I, I like players adding different dimensions because, again, you try and hoodwink the defence. And he'd done that to Goldson. Goldson thought he was making the run, but he backed off and received the ball kind of on the D, hit it with his left foot and a fantastic finished goal. And for all them reasons, really, like I think it's what, over 46 goals and something like 70-odd, 79, 82 appearances, something like that. It's a f- fantastic return, not to mention the assist as well. And He's a talisman for us. He really is. And that label of best sense Larson, I think it, it's true. I know we've had Musa. He, he was fantastic while he was here. And as Anthony said, he, he put the uh, Rangers to the sword on many of occasions. But so is Kyogo. What is it? Seven mm-hmm. goals in the calendar year, something like that against him. I think it's nearly a record. It's, it's fantastic. And, I don't think you can look bad. I really don't. And I know people talk about his deficiencies. And I mean, you look at because he's small and things, but he, he still comes up with the, the goods, doesn't he? He still scores the fatal goals. And we look at our wingers. We look at Scott Sinclair. We look at uh, Jad on the other side. We look at O'Reilly, Cal McGregor. That team would have a feed day. Feeding oh. Kyogo would play to his strengths. And I think he would score a barrel load. More than he does at the minute. And that, for me, is why you can't look over Kyogo for a hasi. I mean, you've made a great claim for him, Stephen, and I think there's plenty in the comments agreeing with you. Folk, I think a lot of folk would agree, but unfortunately, Dave Bailey's had two picks and goes on the team, but I just, I, I wouldn't disagree with putting Kyogo on the team at the end of the day, at the end of the day, but we're just going to kind of try something, we'll get the team up, I'll tell Stephen when I'm I'm ready, we'll, we've we had a wee bit of technical issues, so we're kind of needing Stephen's assistance, but we've kind of sort of got the team um, so I'll wait there and actually share this screen. Sorry, lads. Um, give me two seconds. See, it's just a wee. Put, well, no, companies. What are you going to say, Stephen? Put Kyogo in. Don't be like that. Come on. Too late, mate. I've already put them billion. I've already put them billion. I, just can't, I um, can't believe that I've got two picks in McGeady and Kyogo, and neither of them are in. Yeah, <laughs> they out two votes each. Unreal. Unreal, Anthony. Unreal. Ben, Stephen, are, I don't we, know are we making a bench then? We, we can, we can. I don't know, Stephen, if you can bring that into the studio and you'll see the team. The team's up, up. the team's up. So there there we have it. There's a, your sort of a endless silks, uh, what I follow in the Fraser Forster and goals, a right-back Iranovic, left-back Kieran Tierney, centre-half partnership of Van Dyke and Carter Vickers, a midfield three, Winyama, McGregor and uh, Matt O'Reilly, out in the right, Jota, left Sinclair and up front, Moussa Dembele. Uh, what what does that team scream to you? For me, that screams to me physicality. But Rogers wants yeah, physical in either as we've got it in defence. We uh, your two centre halves are. I mean, I know Carter Vickers isn't the biggest, but he's he certainly doesn't get bullied off the ball. But whereas Van Dyke's obviously got the what you would maybe look at as a centre half. He's tall, athletic, muscle. He's, he's got it all in Yamas. When Yama's just that, he, he is your perfect sort of a, he is just 
solid and stuff, and then obviously Dembele just so the spine of the team is physical, and you're sort of a trickier ball playing players are kind of everywhere else. But uh, Stephen, I don't know if you want to take that out the studio, the stream that's the now and then I can come back and show my emails and things like that. Then I start sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will go mad if I actually just start coming back across here. There you go. There we go. Right. Well, just just before we go, here we. Who would you? I want after manager that's been there to manage. Oh God! For you, I'll come to yourself, Stephen. First. What's the stipulation? Did it have to be alive? Did it have to be managing? What's the crack? I would say that you've you've had to see them be a manager. It's because does a manager technically ever retire? At the end of the day, surely we need well, to keep it in the what's if. I can't. Oh, he's right. Probably, probably has to be still still there. So I would say like it probably rules it. Gordon Strachan and something like, that, like a Gordon Strachan. My, my what if manager. Arns Foster Coglu. I think I would go him, although I don't think he would take Dembele up front, in all honesty, but I would pick Postcog simply just down to the... I mean, Martin Neal's my favourite Celtic manager in my lifetime, but I mean, I could argue Tommy Burns, but I was proper young when Tommy Burns was, was the manager. But I just think footballing-wise, Postcog Coglu's footballer, that's what I'm, I'm basing it on. What about yourself, Anthony? I'm going to stick with Rodgers. Um, purely for what you said while the team was up there, it screams out a Rodgers team. <laughs> That's actually I Personally, looking at the team as it is, I would, if I was to make one change, it would be Moyama out and put in potentially Hitati, um, mm-hmm. just to give the midfield a bit more energy and a bit more dynamism going forward. Uh, but that screams out Rodgers, and I think Rodgers gets the best out of that 11. Um, Ange Postacoglu is in a fantastic manager that we've all all witnessed um, in the last couple of years and obviously down south he's, he's doing wonders there as well and I think he would do well with it but you would want to invent the fullbacks which is not a Kintini kind of thing to do. I'm not sure Sinclair and Belly would fit in with the the tempo and the way that you would want them to connect I think that better suits what Rogers wants to do. They kind of get out wide, cut in a bit more, have the focal point of Dembele. So we're picking a manager who I think would get the best out of that 11. It's Brendan Rodgers. Tony so Mowbray, anybody? Tony Mowbray, wow. What did I hear about him this week? Uh, he's been on the he's, news. He's, he's went to Birmingham. He's Birmingham manager. He's Birmingham bum- manager. manager. I can't believe he's still managing. It's mad. Shambles, man. He's just one of the guys that will just kind of pop around the jobs in that one, not Mad. That's mad. He'll get, he'll get a name as a Celtic manager and he'll be in that running one day. Nah. Please, Anthony, I've never said that in your life. Neil, Le- Neil Lennon will always be ahead of him. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. In the shores. In the, in the shores. Neil Lennon will always be ahead. What you're doing in your sort of leisure time, Stephen, just keep on. <laughs> hey, on hold on a wee second. <laughs> hold on. Where did Neil Lennon get appointed? In the I shores. Know, it was just a joke about the shores. I know. But anyway, that, that brings us kind of at the end of that podcast, just a wee another one of your spin-offs because Celtic and the, the transfer market have given us hunters to talk about, but did, did you guys enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Great That's crack, mate. Very, very good, man. Wee bit, wee bit different. As I say, I would love to claim it was my idea, but I did see it. I stole it off Twitter and we just ran with it. And so hopefully, hopefully it went well. Folk in the comments seem to enjoy it, but uh, it's, we'll be back Friday night. I think it's still 8 o'clock on Friday, but we'll, we'll update the socials. I think it's got to be a more sort of a 
normal podcast on Friday. Hopefully Celtic decide to give us something to talk about by then. We'll, we'll just wait and see. Would be nice. Ah, we rumour would be good because even the the reported rumours are getting Kai Bosch and McKenna's. Jordan it? Henderson? No, no, for me, uh, right? No, got, I know that no. was just Ross saying a wee bit of fun in the group chat at the end of the day. No, it's it's all over Twitter. It's all over. It. Nah, I don't Can't see. Can't be it. having that. I don't it, see it. it but who's no. he going to replace? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know, I, I know, I said I in the group chat, but I just, I who does it replace at the end of the day? Who does it replace? Aye, we'll maybe do that one next, Paul. I don't know where much of my clothes back. He, he hates half Don't be one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we'll, we'll love you and leave you. I'll, I'll let you, Stephen, to close out the show like you normally do. Well, as, as Franny said, we'll be back Friday, probably at o'clock for a, a normal podcast to talk about what's happening within Southie Football Club. But as we said before, um, we're going to be doing these spin-offs throughout the winter break. So I think it's going to be every Monday. Really, we're going to do a spin-off. Next week, still to be confirmed what it's going to be, but that's going to be updated on the on the social media channels shortly. And I hope we hope you all enjoyed this one. And in the meantime, until Friday, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>